Good morning, Groton Bible Chapel family. How are you? Good morning, Groton Bible Chapel family. How are you? Excellent. That's much better. My name is Bob Rasmussen. I'm one of the elders um, on uh, the elder team here at Groton Bible Chapel. A little bit more about myself if you typically come to this service. We sit over here in this area. It's usually the loud family, loud kids. Um, I did that in first service, and I just picked a random family, which is very interesting. No, not at all. No, it's great to be here this morning. It's great to uh, bring uh, Psalm 40 to the church here uh, for our summer sermon series on the Psalms. Um, I'm excited to pick it apart and kind of see, dive in and see what God has in store for us. So as we know from the Psalms that we're looking at, these songs, if you will, are kind of a, um, a window into the life of the author. In the case of Psalm 40, it's David. So David wrote Psalm 40 to thank God for providing for him in times of trouble. And as we look into the Old Testament, we see that David had enough struggles of his own, right? We see that he's committed murder, he's a lot of hate, adultery, list goes on and on. He also had enemies that chased him and tried to kill him, a lot of death in his family. And we know that he went from a young boy slaying a giant all the way to a great king. You see, in Psalm 40, David paints a picture of praise that he had for his God because of what he was currently going through. And praise for knowing that he will continue to carry him through this and all the hardships in his life. So as we dive into this psalm, just try to listen to where David's coming from and his point of crying out and of praise. And we'll see how we can easily connect with his sentiment. So I want to chunk this into three different uh, points, main points here. The first one is how God provides for us, specifically how God provided for us and therefore we should praise him. So looking more at our past. Second one is how God provides for us today, present tense, no matter what the circumstance is. And lastly, how God promises to provide for us in the future and what he's given us to make sure that we can do so like to open in a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into Psalm 40. Father, I just pray that you would uh, use the words that you've given me to uh, be able to speak your word today, Lord. I pray that the hearts and minds of everyone listening will be open. I I pray, Father, for uh, each and every person here that uh, they might be able to take something away and really learn from it. In your name I pray, amen. Psalm 40, starting in verse 1. There's 17 verses. I'm going to read each and every one of them, so uh, take a little time, but we'll be good. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things, your wondrous works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. 
Then I said, See, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, The Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. So the first point I'd like to make today, and when we when I'm talking about chunking this thing up, if you will, is that God has provided for me in my past, so I will praise him. Remembering how God carried us through hardships and struggles in the past can be and is a monument to allow us to thank and praise him for what he's done and for how he has always provided for us in those times. I think in life we need those prompts, if you will, that not only remind us, but also allow us to ask God for help and to thank him for what he's done. You see, the key to what we've read here in verse 1, um, specifically, if you remember, it says that David waited patiently. And I'll say that again. David waited patiently. And he shows us that it's not our timing, but it's his timing. And we should be patient and thank him for that. I will say this is not an easy feat, um, especially for me. I'll be the first offender there. But it can be done. Uh, God allows these times in our lives to become evident if we just look for them. So David praised God during his times of need. We see in the first passage of Scripture that he thanks the audience, or God for putting a new song of praise in his mouth. He proclaims to his audience the happiness that people will have if they too put their trust in him. He mentions that he does not hide righteousness. Rather, he speaks of his faithfulness and salvation. So how do we see how God, remind, uh, rem, God provides reminders to us each and every day in our lives? Um, him uh, during like a time of trial or whatever. So I think if uh, behind you there'll be a picture pretty soon. Sorry, I'm kind of cutting off script here. Yeah, thank you. So if you look at these pictures... Um, I'm sure everybody instantly knows where their mind goes, right? These were taken two weeks, or two weeks ago or so, still around, right? So we've got the six-foot social distancing one I took in a store uh, local to me a couple weeks ago. And then I found this arrow, believe it or not, still on a grocery store floor. What does it do when you see these, right? It might bring in emotion or memory or reminders of certain things that COVID brought us back in 2020. Perhaps something a little uh, more biblical, if you will. We read in Genesis, 
that after God flooded the earth to wipe out all the wickedness that, and promised to save Noah's life and his family's life, that he promised to never flood the earth again. So what did he do? He gave us a little big rainbow to remember that he, his promise that he will never flood the earth. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think about that promise each and every time I see one of these in the sky today. Or perhaps something a little closer to home that I'd like to share. My wife and I have been blessed with beautiful children. Quiet? Nah, not so much. That's another story, but they're definitely a blessing nonetheless. You see, when my wife and I decided to have our third child in winter of 2021, our lives shifted to a season of grief and of loss. We miscarried twice that year. And after months of tests and of doctors and news that we really didn't know how to take, we decided to try again. Kind of hard after two. Our third miscarriage occurred in the spring of 2022. But through God's provision and blessing for us, he gave us a son, Lawrence, in March of this year. It was a, week, a few weeks after he was born that my daughter, Greta, had found an ultrasound picture in a drawer in the house. And she brought it up to us, and we realized that it hurt to see that because what it was was it was the last uh, photo taken of the first child we lost. But you see, in this picture, God showed us where we were and where we are today. It wasn't easy, but he got us to where we are. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, well, where was God when I needed him? Then you're not alone. But the answer to that question, where was he, is that he was beside you all along the way. And I know that you and I struggle to see that at times, if not pretty much all the time. Trust me when I say that during this time for me, I was a basket case. I was a mess. I was angry, hateful. I was angry with God. Uh, my head wasn't in the right space. And you can ask a lot of my friends. They can attest to that. But our actions and feelings do not affect, nor do they change the fact that God still provides for us despite our weakness. We see in Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. And I know from my wife, this was a verse she clung to during this time. God loves us, he provides for us, and he will not leave us. So what are the reminders in our lives that God gives us to praise and thank him for all he's done? Maybe something as simple as cutting out a Bible verse and sticking it on your bathroom mirror when you brush your teeth, comb your hair, whatever else you do in front of the bathroom mirror in the morning. Or maybe it's a piece of jewelry, right? A cross, uh, a Christian fish, uh, a Bible verse, something as a reminder, right? Could even be a tattoo. I think that's the most popular one nowadays. You see a lot of Bible verses and uh, statements that we wear on our bodies now to remember things that have occurred that happened in our lives. For my wife and me, we planted a white cherry tree after we lost the first child. And this tree is still growing strong today, but I'll tell you what, every time I go out and mow the lawn and weed whack around this thing, trying really hard not to hit it, not always good at that, 
But every time I see this and every time I know she's out in the backyard playing with the kids and sees it, it gives us the reminder that God's provided for us. So we will praise him based on how the past went. It is, however, not only important to look back and be thankful for those times that God was there for us, but to praise him as well and know that he is providing for us and our struggles today. Which brings me to my second point. God provides for me today, no matter what troubles or fears are in my life. I'm going to reread Psalm 40, uh, verses 11 through 17, which is where we're going to focus on now. It says, Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I'm unable to see. Are, they are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, The Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. You see, there's nothing too big for God. He knows our needs. He goes before us. We sometimes don't see this the way we want to, but he is there, in fact, even through our weakness. I like to just kind of highlight a few things that David talks to about his weakness. He, he says that he's had troubles without number, iniquities against him. He talks about threats on his life. Um, I don't know about you, but he had it pretty tough. He had it pretty tough. He's open to us, though, to show his weakness and also say that he was unable to see God. He didn't have courage, and he felt oppressed and needy. David was in a bad spot while writing this, but it didn't stop him from crying out to the Lord, not only in prayer, but also in praise. So another good illustration of this is that of Corrie ten Boom. Not sure if uh, you're familiar with who she is, but Corrie ten Boom was uh, a woman who, with her family, helped rescue Jews and hide them in uh, occupied Holland from the Nazis during World War II. She was ultimately thrown in a prison, Ravensbrück prison, uh, with her sister Betsy um, in northern Germany uh, in the middle of the war. Now, before I continue, for those history buffs in the room, I'm sorry that this is a picture of Auschwitz, not Ravensbrück. My wife called me out on that. So, uh, thank you. So I don't want to hear it later from anyone else. So in Corey's book, The Hiding Place, she tells a story about being in the camp, specifically about fleas. You see, when Corey and Betsy went into this camp, they were able to smuggle a Bible in, surprisingly under the noses of the Nazi guards. So they were able to have Bible studies in there. They were able to read daily for themselves. They were able to lead many people to Christ. But the problem is there's a big infestation with fleas. And she was just chronically complaining about this. And finally, her sister Betsy said, Corey, you need to pray for the fleas. Pray for these fleas. Why do I want to pray for the fleas? I don't want to pray for the fleas. You have to pray for the fleas. So Corey said, I started to pray to God and thank him for these fleas. It wasn't until after the war, through testimony of Nazi guards, that 
the reason they never went into that cabin was because of the flea infestation. And she was able to lead many to Christ through that time there. Another story that Corey talks about in another book of hers is after she was released, she continued to smuggle Bibles, not just into prisons, but <laughs> across borders to other, other countries. And she was, there was a story where she was smuggling, uh, she had a suitcase full of Bibles and smuggling it across the border, and there happened to be a border patrol there, and they were opening all the suitcases on this one day. So as she's sliding it across the table, um, she's like, I don't know what to do. So she prayed. She prayed to God to carry her through this. And she said what she explains was a being was sitting on the suitcase surrounded by a bright light. And the guards just pushed that suitcase aside and kept on opening the other ones. That was the only one they didn't open. See, the guards completely missed it because God was carrying her through. So you may be thinking that God may be there, but what if I'm going through something big, like really big? Well, you're right, you probably are. But I'll tell you what, God is way bigger. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul discusses the grace of God as being sufficient for him. And he later describes that Christ's power is perfected in his weakness. For when he is weak, then he is strong. He's describing almost a metaphorical transfer of power to Christ. The weaker we are, the stronger we are through him. Right? And this is the truth that we must hold on to. Trusting that the Lord will provide exactly what you need when you need it is not easy, but it is necessary. The key here is that to trust in the Lord is to trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus talks in Matthew about his burden being light that we should take up his yoke daily rather than our own. You see, David showed weakness, but he showed us that God will provide for us in such a variety of ways. So let's throw out a couple scenarios. One, if you've lost your job, God promises to provide for you. Two, if you found out that you have a serious medical issue and it doesn't look good, and God promises to carry you through it, and use it to learn from? Or lastly, what if you have recently lost a loved one or suffered extreme loss in your life? God promises to carry you through this as well and can use you to help others. Remember what we said at the beginning, that God provides for me today no matter what troubles or fears are in my life. So you may be asking yourself, if trusting in Jesus is the only way that God provides for me today, then I shouldn't be afraid of today or tomorrow? Yeah, that's right. That's about it, nothing more. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So how does the text point us to Christ? We're going to dive into that now, um, into the last section, and it brings up my third point, that God will continue to provide for my life through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to dive right smack in the middle of Psalms here, uh, verses 6 through 8 of chapter 40. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. 
David understood that there was more to God's provision than he knew of at the time. He knew a Savior was foretold, but it would be later revealed in the New Testament that we found out that that was actually God's Son. All right, he w- it was foretold that there would be an ultimate sacrifice and it would take away the sin of the world. And he talks to these offerings and sacrifices that we don't delight in, as it says in the text. He mentions a few offerings in this passage, right? So he brings up a grain offering or grain and peace offerings, sin offerings, and finally a burnt offering. In Old Testament requirements, there were many reasons why these offerings were made. The one that I find quite peculiar, though, is the burnt offering that David mentions. See, there was a burnt offering called the continual burnt offering. And it lasted from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They started at 9 a.m. by burning a lamb, sacrificing a lamb, and then again at 3 p.m. At the end, the ashes were taken and and put into a clean place and stored there. This was accompanied by a meal to commemorate and celebrate what was done. Is it a coincidence that our Savior hung on a cross as a blemish-free lamb from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and his body was later cleaned and taken to a tomb? Is it odd that we remember this through the ceremony of a communion meal together? See, David is showing us that it is not our sacrifice that God wants, but our obedience to accept the sacrifice that he gave us. But there's more in this single verse, so I want you to listen to this next piece. Through Jesus' blood, David paints a picture that we too can become part of the family of God. He says in the previous text we just read, you open my ears to listen. And what did he mean by this, you open my ears to listen? I think in the Jewish tradition it meant a lot more than what we're seeing today. So um, I'm just going to dive into a little bit of history here. So typically a slave after six years can be freed or would be freed, and they had the choice to come back and live in the master's house. Well, if they decided to do that and the master accepted them, the ceremony through that would be they would take a hammer and an awl and they would pierce the ear of the slave on the doorpost of the house, signifying that that individual is now part of the family. So David's saying, you've pierced or you've opened my ears to listen. So what is he saying about opening his ears to listen? Well, he's practicing surrender. He's telling God that he wants to be part of his family. And that through his obedience, he is listening to God. David is trying to tell us that God doesn't want our offerings or our sacrifice. God wants our obedience instead. So God is faithful to carry us through. He loved us enough to give us his son Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Remembering back to our time of grieving and waiting on God, um, my wife really clung to the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as we just sung. And I'd like to reread the chorus. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. It goes like this. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And this song has been a reminder to us today that God did provide for us in a time that we needed him. 
Remember that ultrasound picture I mentioned my daughter finding? Well, one piece of information that, about that photo that I left out is um, right after we miscarried the first child, we found out that um, the baby probably lived only a couple more days from the last time she was checked, which was when this photo was taken. Well, for those of you who know how to read ultrasound photos, um, and I'm sorry for throwing your birth date up there. It must be a typo. <laughs> but the photo is showing that it was taken on March 10th, which would put the baby passing on around March 12th. Well, Lawrence was born on March 12th in 2023. God's good. So if you're thinking today, I have not been trusting in God to carry me through, I've missed my opportunity to truly see him work. Don't lose hope. God loves to continually show himself and his grace to you. Not to bring it back to me once again, but again, remember that tree I talked about? Well, we bought it with lots of flowers. It was a beautiful tree. And then the next year, there was no flowers. We were kind of bummed. Don't know why. If anyone knows why cherry trees don't flower the second time you plant them, please let me know. Because it's happened once. And then this year, it happened again. No flowers. However, earlier this year, couple, it was actually a couple weeks after our son was born, I went out and I found this. Out of the whole entire tree, which is about eight feet tall now, there was only three flowers that budded. So, you see, our reminder of the pain of what we went through and how God carried us through, which was this tree, God turned those reminders into those three little flowers, if you will, and, knowing, and we now know that they're with him. God never leaves us, and he never forsakes us. I do want to caveat before I move on. Um, for those of you who have struggled with miscarriage and you have not, it has not ended with a child, please don't think that this is a prosperity sermon by any measure, right? God is still with you. God is carrying you through, and he can use that. So I just don't, I don't want anyone to think that this is all about end result is having a child because we know what you're going through, but God's with you. So what bucket do you fall into? Are you relying on God and God alone through his son? If so, I can encourage you to keep on that course. What you have are and will go through is something you can teach to others to encourage them to rely on Christ in their time of need, to continue to pray, praise God for all he has done. Or maybe you know who Jesus is and that he can provide for you during those difficult times, but it is just too hard to surrender day to day. Or maybe your faith is weak. If so, have hope. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. God has given us the gift of community to pray with and to share our burdens. Remember that Jesus wants to carry his burden. Or sorry, Jesus wants us to carry his burden, not for us to figure out how to carry our own. Or maybe you have not surrendered your life to Christ. And each day, there's just no hope. You feel like you're constantly drowning and you can't get your head above water. 
Well, be encouraged that God loves you. And he has sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and you alone. He wants to take your burden and wants you to remember him. Your only job in this is to know that you are a sinner, to understand that without his death on the cross, your sins could never be paid in full, and repent of those sins, and to accept his son into your life. It's that simple. Remember that God will continue to provide for my life through the gift of his son, Jesus. David's song to God was one of triumphant joy and praise. But this praise was sung from a heart with a history of heaviness and of turmoil, sin and shame. David not only praises God for what he did for him, but he seeked his name for what he was going through. David saw a light, if you will, at the end of the tunnel. And that light was our Messiah. What was in David's future and what he was seeing in the coming of this Messiah is in our present today. I'm going to pose the last question. Are we willing to see that light as well and accept it as our own? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for uh, these words. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. And I pray that you can work in the hearts and the lives of each and every person listening today. I thank you for your promise to never leave us, your promise to never forsake us, Lord, and your promise to carry us through, even though it doesn't feel good to us, that we always will know that you are there for us and you will provide comfort and peace and love. In the name I pray, amen.